another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, and this is episode 17 of the podcast for December 2015. This month is the conclusion of the discussion of the Dark Crystal Creation Myths Volume 1. Again, yeah, last month when I uh, did the chat, it went for a lot longer than we anticipated, so I decided to split the shows up in two parts. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode of Trial by Stone, the first half of the discussion of Creation Myths Volume 1, I highly recommend you check that out uh, before listening to this one. So without further ado, let's go to the Podling Village and continue our discussion on the Dark Crystal Creation Myths. we get to the next um yeah short story about um how the gelfling maid got her wings i guess it was um interesting with this story in particular that the wings were kind of like a creation through olga and um wasn't a um a biological sort of evolutionary sort of process with the female gelflings um yeah just wanted to know yeah just your your, your thoughts on on that i look well, at it as a fairy was... tale yeah absolutely just sort yeah. of an origin myth yeah, no, I would agree with you, though. I, I think that it's, you know, there's all kinds of stories like that that we have that are just, you know, we have Grimm's fairy tales even or explanations of how we got fire from the Prometheus, you know, and stuff like that. I think that um, it's a nice it, tale. It's an actual kind of. myth. It's one mm-hmm. of the creation myths. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love the artwork at the beginning of this. Sorry. I, this The artwork, like the in the hardback book, there's no page numbers, but Every now and then, there's like a little symbol here and there. There's a little detail, a little creature. I, I really like how this whole book, the artwork, just kind of really lays out. They really go into detail. And I love this image of the female Gelfling maid with this little thing in her hair. It's like a little twisted kind of yeah. symbolic curl. <laughs> and then she has the hair wrap. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, this story was like also one of my favorite things about this book in terms of Agra. Like, it, you know, the movie, we get a like highly apathetic Agra, right? She's like, ah, in begin, all the same. Oh, you want a shard? Yeah, it's a shard. And it's like, <laughs> I, I love the way she's like portrayed in the book. So, I mean, she's highly active, obviously. She's got her birth as well. But like, uh, I'm maybe I'm a sucker for believing that it's true or I want to believe it's true. Like the story of her, you know, stabbing these. Uh, these wings or these feathers into into this gelfling maid and I, I think that was one of the parts I loved about it so much just the image it put in my head of Augur like being this active and like that's a you know a type of violence there obviously and uh, I just always thought that was such an interesting thing but yeah love love what they did with Augur in this book just to get to see her like you know young and and spry even though she may not look young and spry 
Yeah. Well, the the story's kind of brutal too. Like in the sense of a true fairy tale, it gets really grim because yeah, she's basically absolutely. she's like her feet are bloody. She her tunic is all torn. Right. She she's blind. Mm-hmm. She can't mm-hmm. gesture. Agra just grabs these feathers and just no <laughs> no warning at all, just stabs them into her shoulders. Into a yeah. lifeless it's, creature. It's, it's, yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> well, that's growing up for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Thrawn. So then we get into a discussion about Gelfling wings. We didn't see them in the in the early start of the book. They didn't have the wings. They couldn't reach the fruit. Mm-hmm. But somehow within their evolution, they developed wings. And then we have this fairy tale or myth of how Algra stabbed these feathers into the shoulders. So then in the Gelfling ruins, to bring that up, we see Gelflings with beards and wings. So did males at one point have wings or is that a representation like a ceremonial wings that a male priest sort is wearing or is it a female that's wearing a ceremonial beard or is it a representation of both sexes of Gelfling into one being? I, I should probably be excluded from this conversation. I'm working on, <laughs> I'm working on the canon of that actually. <laughs> so I'm just gonna step out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean, because based on the text, it says you know in time she met a mate and had a daughter with wings, who had her own daughter with wings on. But then it says when their sons took mates, their those daughters were born with wings as well. So right, it, it, it was. It's in the genetic code from then on, yeah. It's just, yeah, really interesting about that. And, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of get some answers from Joe with uh, Shadows of the Dark Crystal um, uh, in due time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I kind of think of this as like a, a religious type of interpretation. Like, I, this isn't, I don't really think that this is how Gelfling's got their wings, in my opinion. Well, maybe this is how Thra biology works. Maybe Agra, convinced enough, can actually alter a certain um, uh, line she is like of a mother nature, biology. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, what about like, the Drensians? You know, maybe the Drensians said, we want to breathe underwater. In <laughs> they the, wrote a letter. Kind of, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's Agra. just my interpretation. <laughs> no, that's a, that's, a, that's a good point. Like, I, I can totally see that. Like, maybe because she is of the world and is basically like mother nature in a sense, maybe she has that power. And those are powers that aren't explained yet. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff that we hear about Agra, you know, we take to be true because she's actually walking around among them. But this one we consider a myth because it seems kind of, I guess, in comparison to a lot of the other stories in here, it just seems less believable somehow. But you never know. I mean, it's possible it could have happened that way. Or it's just a myth. It's hard to say on that one. Well, yeah, Oh, I was just going to say, it, it does start out as, you know, it's told around a campfire, so it could mm-hmm. have been changed. I, you know, this is my interpretation. I'll tell you my interpretation while you're helping me around the fire. Right, mm-hmm. like at this point, yeah, the Gelfling know Agra very well. Would she not have told this story to all the Gelflings? Wouldn't they know this? And and the the storyteller even says, hey, you know, you know this story, you know that story. Here's my story. And it's right. different from all those stories. So, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I still think of it more even in a religious type of, of sense and, and into a creation, like a true myth and not really the reality of what it is. Because I think that if Augur actually did that, she, the Gelfling, that would have been a known fact of the Gelfling. I would agree. And I think like all stories can have multiple interpretations. So, Well, another thing is that Augur would have witnessed the formation of the wings on the Gelfling, even if she didn't create them. So if there was a question as to how they got their wings, she would have had some sort of knowledge as to how they got their wings herself. Mm-hmm. But also if Agra is considered... So if we had never actually seen Agra's physical presence in the film, any mention of Agra could almost be interpreted as simply Mother Nature in any of these stories. And so this creation myth yes, could really yes. just be, uh, you know, like Blaine was or saying... Um, that this is a creation myth. This is saying, you know, over time, female Gelfling had to, you know, things were difficult for them. They couldn't, whatever, reach things in trees and it was difficult. And then they grew wings because Agra, you know, but more saying, you know, this is a summary. It's a metaphor for for time and nature and evolution. If that happens on throughout, they've had plenty of time to go through. And maybe they never, go ahead. Oh, no, that was was my thought. (laughs) Oh, I was I was just going to say, maybe they just haven't asked Agra that question, you know. Right. Maybe right. they never actually yes. directly said, hey, Agra, how did we get our wings? Yeah. You know, even though they have all these tall tales of how how they may have gotten them and nobody really knows or no Gelfling knows how they got their wings. Mm-hmm. Maybe that mm-hmm. Agra was just like, well, you never asked me, so I never told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it well, makes you wonder uh, how long uh, they've had them, too. Um, it talks about him saying he heard the tale from his mother's mother's mother and uh, was and she was there to witness. Did they get the wings later or did they have them? Um, you know, I, it definitely is something that happened later that they didn't have at the beginning. Because we saw that at the beginning. But it's just one of those things that's kind of interesting. It's like, so if it was that recently, maybe, his, uh, maybe he did hear it from someone who was... Um, you know, oral history from someone who's there to witness, or it's just a myth. It's kind of hard to interpret yeah. that one. Like Augur is also kind of, well, if if the formation of the wings came about when Augur was distracted with her observatory and the the her yeah. knowledge of wanting to know more about the cosmos, maybe it was just a distant Gelfling clan that developed wings due to some kind of force or power from the crystal maybe or something and mm-hmm. so she didn't she didn't witness it herself anyway evolutionary wise and then it just kind of spread across the land and then maybe she was like oh hey look there's these Gelfling have wings unfortunately joe had to leave around this time so i just wanted to say thanks joe for being on the show if you want to find out more about him you can check his website at joeyverse.com or you can uh, pre-order the Dark Crystal uh, young adult novel that's coming out soon called Shadows of the Dark Crystal. So check that out. And now we'll go back to continue the discussion. I like I like this image of of in gear with his um, how he's got the beard growing. He hasn't shaved in a while, like so. Now we know that Gelfling shave. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. we see the beards in the in the ruins, but. He kind of has like some growth going on his face in that one image where he looks all surprised while he's hearing all the stories. I really like that story. 
I'm assuming the fruit was like a trap and he just happened to get out of harm's reach just in time before the big yeah, creature like, like, a, like a siren song you know like yeah. I felt like the creature is like feeding off of his energy or something and the way to keep him was to you know offer these lovely fruits or mm-hmm. yeah kind of like a yeah. calypso, sort of I was kind of like an angler fish but it's like out of water yeah. Yeah. yeah what other maybe it tries to lure birds and things of that nature with the fruit, because you wouldn't think that it would be luring, sailing gelflings. So, <laughs> I thought that was very interesting that it was. Um, yeah, yeah. On the back of the giant creature, and it started making me think about all the uh, interesting evolutions of the um, creatures within Thra. Very interesting. I guess because yeah, I mean, at, at this chapter, so like the story seems like it's going to a di- whole different direction, you know, focusing on on another different character. Like it's interesting, yeah, just to sort of see, um, I guess, water or you know, this, the the sea sort of being represented in you know, in the world of the dark crystal. Since you know, in the films, all we see is land essentially. So I have to say this because this just threw me when I saw it. That village is exactly has how I envisioned it when I wrote my story. The domed uh, structures and all that stuff. I was like, it's my village. <laughs> love, I love the Sifa clan. This this story is also presented as as not one of the little interlude type myths. Like this is this isn't a story of Algra and Ranip. This is its own kind of little tale. So I guess you know in this part of the story, um, Gia he's um out to try and find his song far far and wide to um to try and track down this song and then he sees um you know comes across the the creatures and well he he's drawn to all kinds of songs and he's kind of like a song collector and he's just really interested in all that and it, it's almost like he's trying to find his song but it's come to find out it's it's not actually his song yeah like each creature had a song and each song has a in each song a story in in that regard yeah yeah, again, I just I just find it kind of neat just seeing you know, just a different side of Thra, um, you know, what lies beyond the seas and 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 all that. And um, well, one of the more interesting points I thought you made, uh, Philip, and again in our kind of our preparation for this was in one of his visions as he's sitting on this you know island of uh, fruits and whatnot is that he had a vision of Kragle, you know, kind of to segue into the next part of the story or if we want to, but uh, I. I I just thought that was really yeah. interesting that he would even have that vision. Like, and I wanted to know what you all thought about that. Here's the thing: for a little while there, I was thinking that um, even though I don't, he would probably have to be hundreds of years old. For a while there, I was thinking that he might have been the one telling the stories, since he was a collector of stories. Even though this is his story, he could tell it like it wasn't. You know, like this could be his in a third um, person, his little backstory. Like, yeah, here I am, the storyteller, and I'm telling you the story. And here's a story about this storyteller, and uh, it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it might sound a little silly, but it just the fact. I don't that think he that sounds silly at all. Stories, and they were saying that he was, you know, knew all of these songs, um, you know told grand tales and things of that nature. And it even says he talks about he of the adventures of the hero Jarajin, which is the next chapter. 
yeah absolutely and that's yeah the next sort of part of the um yeah the, the short story which i think is probably one, one of my favorite um short story the jarajan and the horn of thunder it was this kind of story that yeah i, I just really enjoyed reading and i kind of like that little twist uh, towards the end how um he ends up um using the tools to defeat Kregel. well one of the things i so, wanted to ask you all too like oh sorry it's okay. I was going to ask, does anybody else think that this is really good foreshadowing? Jara Jin and, you know, going against this oppressive ruler and the fact that the main character in the in the Dark Crystal movie is named Jin. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, that I, it's I, I almost agree. possible yeah. it could be a reincarnation or something like that. Can, can we go back for just a second? What, what, was, what was this song that was in the sea? Is it... Is this... Does he see the Erskek as a vision, or is there an Erskek that's trapped under the water? Like, I, does anyone have? No, I think he's. I think he's I, looking up into the sky, as I understand it. And the Erskeks yeah. calling out to their homeland. This is one of their times that they're trying to make contact. As later in the book, it says, "You know, we can barely oh, okay. Okay. hear them anymore." Yeah. You know. I see. I see. No, that totally makes sense. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just looking at the symbols that are sort of coming out from the Erskek as well. Um, whether mm. that's like part of song notes or... That's their, their way of communicating to their home world. Because that kind of goes right. in later on. Alright, so mm. my question to you all was, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not the only one that saw this, because if we're all as big Henson uh, nerds as I assume we are, like this uh, story almost was like, and I love, that's why so much of this kept the Henson uh, spirit for me, is like, this is the storyteller. And this is the Heartless Giant. Y'all remember that story? Um, mm. Where the young, uh, yeah. where he goes along, yeah, he, helps the, he helps the fish, he helps the bird, mm -hmm. and then he, he feeds the fox's horse, and they oh, all three yes, play yes. a role in helping them get the heart of the giant. I was just like, well, it's, uh, why not recycle it? It's a beautiful story. Nice. Yeah, I see that now. Yeah. Ah, uh, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely really need it, uh, to check that yeah check that out that's for certain yeah i have heard about it um like of the storyteller yeah haven't got around to watching those um stories or you know the episodes and um and all that so yeah 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 well worth it yeah well worth it all right cool well i like how i like how the moon gives him his umbra did it's like the umbra is the darkest part of a shadow <laughs> and, and he kind of like puts all the pieces of this throne it was like kind of like a mary poppins bag like just puts them all within this shadow and carry it you know throws it to the other side of the room i thought again not to reference not to reference a storyteller but in the soldier and the death he has a bag that can capture anything he wants to capture oh yes right yeah same thing there that's how he traps death yeah yeah exactly oh we never mentioned that gear has a double flute yeah 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 i just wanted to point that out yeah, so it's like there's lots of different instruments, and and Jara Jen has the the horn. Well, and it's interesting because like you know, Jen didn't yeah, get that from his parents. You know, like right. was this something the mystics held on to, and they were like, "You're gonna need this one day, kid." Like it's just kind of part of your heritage. Like, but then if Gear is the storyteller, when is the storyteller telling the story? That's a good is, question. Is that flute the one that Jen is carrying, or is that? Mm. Just part of is their culture at that point. You're yeah. saying has that flute itself been handed down, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thought. It's a good thought. Definitely, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, yeah, we get to chapter five, and and this is yeah when it mentions um, 
I think we briefly spoke about this, uh, about every nine years that um, Olga um, embarks on, on a journey, sort of a journey within herself. And um, I, I guess it's just making, I know, just making sure that the, the world is running fine and that everything, you know, towards each other is all good. And uh, yeah, and I just... Um, just having a look. Um, yeah, just making, yeah, basically making sure that everything is going right with the world. I like the imagery in the book. Do you think it's kind of a form of meditation, or do you think she... Is it kind of self-reflection, meditation there, planning for the future? Well, I don't know. I think it's just her way of checking up on the whole world without actually having to travel along the surface. Yeah. I think it's yeah. her way of... inner. It's her intermingling. She kind of... The wind is her breath, and... She just kind of checks well, up and I love everything. That, yeah, I love that image too. I mean, obviously in the book we get like, you literally see her unraveling, you know, and becoming back to where she once walked out of the swamp, you know, becoming the creature again that she was. And, and then you get the outline of it. And then I don't know if you're all looking at the book with me, but in that next page you get the outline of the stars and the heavens basically. And then you see some of those roots and things on the outlines. It's like she encompasses everything. So I just love that imagery they gave us. Yeah, it is really striking. It is, yeah, and I just noticed, like, just on on um, Olga, I don't know if that looks like a like a mushroom that's sort of near her uh, right horn. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> which I think, that's yeah, hard. just like one of those one of those little details. Yeah, you, you know. We also have another another image of a land strider, and then mm -hmm. this is the first image of a podling that we see. Podlings, yeah. Oh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that, that page with the, like you're saying, with the Landstrider, really, there's like a lot of summary in there that's happening that you can't even really catch it all as you look at it. Did she do this during the the darkened area when the crystal was cracked and the world was somewhat poisoned in a sense? I don't know. I'm just like, I kind of felt like that she didn't yeah. do it. Um, you would think it would affect her in some way. Yeah, like with, with the um, crack of the crystal sort of, broke her in a way um in that i mean if the crystal created olga in a sense and i guess if the crystal being cracked then a part of her is sort of cracked you know you know broken like maybe maybe she regard. lost yeah. that power like maybe she could i definitely <laughs> think she got weaker when that happened because in the movie they actually managed to you know capture her and in the end of this book it's like you know she shows this great just amount of power over the world and I don't think that the uh, Skeksis would have her in a cage if she if she was still the same yeah. strength that she was that, that in would this book. that would explain her her yeah that would explain how she's not as active in the film because it's see that's where the, I only have the, the little bit of different take on it is like I just see her as like allowing things to happen right like I've always felt like with her being mother Thra that, you know, she's always had the ability to kind of do what she wants when she wants. And, and the fact that she lets them, you know, capture, I don't know, like, she just seems like a, but, but I think you're right. She's very, seems very much so apathetic in the film and just kind of at a point where like, ah, forget it. It's all screwed up now. Like, it, it doesn't matter. But I don't know. I just always felt like she's allowing that stuff to kind of happen. But that's just me. I just well, felt she like just she had know gotten, that it's gonna happen. It gotten yeah. so bad, you know, that, it, that at that point there wasn't much that she could do. Because she is, despite the fact she seems apathetic, she is helping Jen. You know? True, true. Yeah, I don't think she's given up hope. I think she just, she knows everything's going to kind of pan out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. she knows that she she can't be the one to fix it, so I think she's sort of disengaged a little bit. But yeah, I think that the crystal being cracked definitely would have affected her abilities in the world. Do y'all think she feels guilty for not doing more, or do you think she feels like somewhat responsible since she didn't see it coming, quote unquote? Right, because at this point, possible. well, in the film, yeah, yeah, in the film, she would already know, you know, what what um, her son knows about the Erzgags, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because I mean, they've already split apart at this point. Yeah, she would know their true crime and all that. Right. I just wonder if, like, she took it on personally, you know, like. I was so blinded by their, you know, radiance and whatnot that I, oh, I yeah. couldn't see the, the other, the other half of them. Right, like mm-hmm. I could have prevented this, and instead I was like full witness and totally right. Don't right. Know I wonder it. if that's like why she holes up in her observatory. You know, she's like the old lady on the hill. You know, nobody goes to that house. Yeah, they definitely seem to have lost knowledge of who she was too, because Jen's mm-hmm. sitting here going up there, being like, "Who is this Augura?" Is she, you know, going to eat me? <laughs> Does she murder right. gelflings? But he was right. also, you know, isolated. True. Yeah. For years and years and years. It's kind of odd the um, Ur- Uru didn't say anything about it, though. You know? Mm-hmm. That they didn't mention all well, of it anymore. Well, they are the good half of the Urskek. Yeah. So maybe, in a sense, they didn't really want to divulge that information. Or maybe it was a way of protecting him even more until the time was right. It could be. I love this image here of the Gelfling playing with the the little paddle game with the right. three sons. It's like a little okay. paddle ball game with three sons. I thought that was kind of neat. There's so a lot of now the the film itself is it? Would we consider the film as being the reality that we see on Thra of the healing of the crystal, or is that a, a mythological story? I mean, obviously, here on Earth, it is a mythological story. It's a, you know, <laughs> it's not real. What? What? <laughs> but on Thra itself, is that the reality of Thra in the sense of the story, or is that mythology being told? I mean, I think it's real. I mean, I, yeah. to me, anyway. I mean, yeah, you could say it's mythological in a sense, I guess, but or, or metaphorical of a healing. But, yeah, I mean, I take it as, as real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So then to go back on the Urskex developing this Ori um, Mm -hmm. with the concept of it being a distraction. What about the location as well? Because we hear about this maiden's journey to get to Agra and it pretty much cripples her and she's all bloody. It's like such sharp rocks that she has to climb to even get to Agra. So in that sense, was that a way of keeping the creatures of of Thra away from Algra so that right, they could really she could keep contact with she her. could empower them and give them more knowledge. They right, the right. Erskex built it, they did it in a way that makes it hard to traverse kind of thing. Right. Maybe. And then like that journey for Jen must have been under treacherous interpreted mm-hmm. in the movie is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It, it might have been the stone could have weathered by then though. I mean, maybe back when That's true the, too. That's that whole true. thing happened. You know, might have been a lot more sharp and treacherous. But this is kind of a good segue into the book we're on, though, with like the Erskex and where they're. Now we're getting a you know a look at their inner circle with Ronit showing up on the scene and kind of sneaking in there. So, what did y'all think about that first conversation with them, though? Three lunar cycles. Right. That is mm-hmm. how long the Erskex have been on Thra. 
So how long is three lunar cycles on Thra? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to... I mean, it's got to be hundreds of years, centuries. I mean, it even says that centuries have passed. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, like 300 years. I don't know, like, yeah, because, I mean, it's definitely not a thousand because, I mean, the second conjunction hasn't happened yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So are there three conjunctions in total yeah so i think the, the, yeah so the first one was when the earthskex appeared was the the arrival the of the earthskex and then the yeah, second yeah. one was when um uh, the crystal they try to pure, purify pur- purify, themselves. purify themselves and didn't work out and then the third one would mean um with jen yeah restoring so we have another triple <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 again everything works in threes <laughs> Lots of three uh, lunar cycles. Yeah. Symbology <laughs> with the number three. Yeah, I actually, um, I was just, I was just even reading like, you know, do the other fifteen feel this way? Again, that's that's in threes. <laughs> um, well, there's yeah, because it's three of them in the group. Yeah, well, it's plus fifteen three the, plus the three having the conversation. Yeah, having the conversation. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so basically, yeah, they're trying to communicate with um with their world and that they're just not getting anything. Um, but they sort of have fate be able to work out a way to um to return back to their world yeah and that's uh you know rona decides you know he's heard this bit of this conversation and he wants to um you know he's decided that he's heard enough and and he wondered um why why they left why the the star beings of the earthkicks left the world and he thought well the only way he could really find out is going to the crystal essentially i'm curious yeah you know if he actually um touched the crystal or whether he was sort of close enough to sort of you know putting his hand near the crystal to sort of have this um you know this vision of the earth skex so the revelation that when they entered the crystal that wasn't you know by choice but by force um or as criminals so to speak yeah which is like kind of interesting and actually i'm just looking at this image and um this does look like it's from um, their homeworld, because uh, like you see, you know, a lot of the Earthskex and you got the crystal and the, their own crystal in the center with a bunch of other, I guess, rocks or I would presume there'd be other crystals sort of uh, down below as well. Yeah, which is sort of like their first look of you know seeing what Thra, uh, not Thra, their homeworld is like. So I just I just thought it was just interesting. Yeah, that was the first time you know get a visual, almost a visual representation of their um, homeworld. It's well, interesting we, we, to see that it's almost a, a whole world of crystals, and uh, it makes you wonder these almost ghost-like or angel-like creatures. What were what kind of world would they come from? Well, I kind of and think of it as as the castle is made of lesser crystals around the great crystal, the the crystal itself. So when they sing, they kind of form the castle from the lesser crystals that are kind of around the, the crystal, the main crystal. And so I kind of yeah. think of this as just a, the crystal on their world, but just not within a big crystal palace. It just has mm-hmm. lesser crystals underneath it. Like not, See, not that their world is necessarily all crystalline crystalline. And there's even more than, I mean, just barely, if you really count, like, background earth kicks, there's more than 18 in this picture. So to me, it felt like, okay, this is the courtroom, right? They've just been sentenced, yeah. Yeah. and now they're being asked to leave, you know, whatever it is. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, counting up how many there was. I think there's um, 19. 
Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing 19 in that. Um, well, you actually in, see yeah. an Urskag going into the crystal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like they all go one by one. Um, and I kind of wondered about that too. Like they enter the crystal, they don't actually enter the beam of light. Yeah, because like, in, in the film, like at the end of the Dark Crystal, they all kind of go it's into the together. crystal at the same at the same time. So yeah, it's it's just very interesting that it's almost like a yeah like a portal, uh, you know, a stargate. <laughs> um, yeah, just to to go through. Yeah, I always thought of the Urskex as the reason why they were banished from their homeworld is because that they had an impurity, and that impurity was their shadow, their darkness. Yeah. And that that's why they were sent to Thra, because everyone else on the world was so pure. Well, that's not actually the case. In this story, mm -hmm. it's to be a true Erskek is to actually master your darker side. Yeah. And they yeah. wanted to purify their own world. They wanted to get rid of all that darkness. And that's why they were shunned away. And that's what they're doing on Thra. They're actually trying to help and purify. They always say, we're here to help. We're here to, we're bringers of light, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then here they are, they've lost contact with their home world. And they're, they're like, okay, I guess if we want to go back, we're going to have to get a little dark. You know, they've shunned us so much that we cannot hear them anymore. And the only way that they're going to accept us back is for us to give in and be like everyone else and embrace the, our dark side. <laughs> It seems like they were trying to find balance within themselves, too. As a, as a race, that was something that they tried to achieve. I thought maybe they didn't, they weren't, they had maybe an off balance to begin with or something like that. And maybe that was part of the reason they were sent. Like maybe the home world had gotten too dark? Yeah, and... something like that. But then we find out why they actually were, right? I mean, so all that's. It's an, and I'm with you on the thoughts. I think that's where my head usually normally was on that. And then they said heresy, right? Mm -hmm. So like heresy in and of itself is that you disagree with the ideals of, you know, whatever the organization is or your culture or whatever right, it might be. Right. So it's like do they, do they, you know, categorically disagree with the idea of becoming a balanced creature? Like that's where my head went on that. I wasn't sure. Yeah, it is an interesting thought of what exactly that heresy yeah. would mean. Yeah, Definitely, yeah. I think that's something like I think with this um, Erskic's backstory that I could see it easily, you know, developed, you know, have its own kind of story. Um, just to just to really get more in depth of the Erskic's. Yeah, I just find them very, yeah, just very fascinating. And just yeah, you know, we get you know some hints of of their story, but I feel like there's more than meets the eye. Essentially, there's one of my favorite shots in this, and, and I, maybe there's not meant to be a lot of comedy in this book. I don't know, but like. When they catch Ronip looking at the crystal, and like one of the first things they say to him is like, "You're curious. Hey, where's your mother?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought like, that was funny we, too. We don't want to deal with Ronip. We we know where this is headed. Where's Og? She likes us. And yeah. obviously, he's been there for centuries himself. I mean, he was there right. to witness their arrival as well. So it's like, right. do you really still address him as this young boy? Like, <laughs> right. Where's your mother? <laughs> Go to your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Ronip's trying to touch the crystal again. Get him yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> You're grounded. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so I guess, um, yeah, Ronop then, you know, tells the Gulflings, um, you know, the 
his accusations against the Skeks that you know that, that they're criminals and that we got to do something about it. And yeah, I mean, like uh, Ronip was able to sort of you know tell them the story and and so sort of the Gelflings sort of you know they sort of end up believing his story and sort of you know to follow through through him to sort of in a way you know I wouldn't say like fight against the Skeks, but you know just you know find out what you know what's really going on. I mean, he convinced them enough to throw some rocks at them. You know, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I find that was, I thought that was one of the most interesting things about Ron for me is like, um, he's like pure passion, you know, it's like, and that can get twisted. That has doubts and fears and whatnot. And, but he's so passionate for the truth. You know, what the, what is the capital T truth of these Erskex? And, um, but he also seemed very convincing, you know, he's able to rally the troops and, mm. you know, he's got this great, like, uh, you know, what is the light and heart of Thra, the crystal? Who's the eye and hand of Thra, Agra? Okay. Who is the voice and memory of Thra, yeah. Agra? Okay. It's yeah. like, let's go into battle. Yeah. You know, it was great. Yeah. I thought it I'll was interesting. Say... He looks okay. darker at the end, though. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there's almost something more sinister to him. I, it like might maybe... have been my interpretation, well, his... but he just looks just... different somehow. Well, maybe... This is just me speculating again, but maybe that has something to do with his power. Like he can see their darkness and his, the, the, you know, the shadow within them. And maybe that kind of has an influence on him and how he reacts to it. Like a, an actual physical kind of in, internal well, now he has other people that believe with him, you know, in the disbelief of the Erskeks. And so maybe it just kind of comes full force and we see it, you know, even in his, like you said, his physicality. I don't, like, I, I guess I uh, just thinking about with the Erskeks, whether they're, um, I mean, they're not, because they're, they're, they're pretty much made out of light. So I just thought about, you know, even if a stone would hit them, it probably would have gone through them, essentially. I don't know, just, just your thoughts, like whether they're, you know, actual physical entities or they're just, like, just made out of pure light? I think they are physical entities just because of the fact that even though they don't necessarily uh, have to, they actually do stop the stones. Right. Because you can see right. them hovering in front of them. I, th- I thought this was... I thought this was a little much, in my opinion. Like I was, I was surprised one of them didn't have a pitchfork in their hand. Like <laughs> the throwing, you know, they have well, torches. They're throwing stones. I was like, "Where's the pitchfork?" Well, I was kind of with you on that plan to a degree there because on the shot of the earth kicks and all the stones on the front, very neo moment. No. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it, it well, doesn't we even look like, like very many of the gilflings followed him. From what yeah, I'm looking it doesn't at, seem like a it's ton. like he yeah. just got like a handful of them, and right, yeah, it does. It just does that way, just enough to be a rebellious child, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, to try and stand up. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking how many. I mean, based on the illustrations, I mean, well, I think there's at least three Gelflings. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And then sort of Olga comes in to save the day and sort of you know stops this this little war battle <laughs> between uh between run up and the skx yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah well you have the one in the feet in the foreground so they're the yeah four gulfling and run up and it's like they're all going to mm-hmm. take on these 18 erskek with stones it was yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. auger, auger comes in there like the war hero Not right right now. <laughs> i have the power to control roots <laughs> right <Stop. laughs> 
and Ryan MC, you know, I'll show you and I will show you and you will be sorry someday. Yeah, that was one of the more beautiful moments for me in this ending. It's like, man, like such a, and maybe I'm just a dramatic guy myself, but such a yearning. I think like Ronip really has a sincere desire to want to show Agra the things that she's just not seeing, but for whatever reason, it's just not, it's not happening. And he just feels like it's not going to happen. Like, and like, so when he says, and you will be sorry, like, I don't see that as like him saying like, oh, you're going to be sorry. You know, you got what's coming to you. But I think he feels like you're actually literally going to be sad when you find out what's happening here. And it's just so touching to me. But I like this image with the split of her, the two panels and it splits her face. Yeah. Have you all seen that? I really like that. And it's like her tunic is different on each in each panel. Well, and that's such a great even you know metaphor for what's happening within her, right? Right, One right. side of her can see, when the other side can't. You know. It's well, and then you have the splitting of the Erskex. There's that symbology. Absolutely, yeah. You got that imagery all, all throughout. Man, but then you, thing. it also kind of goes into a metaphor of Algra as being the representation of religion, whereas Ranip is the re- representation of science, mm. in a way. Does that sure. make sense? Maybe. Like yeah, he, I mean, yeah. She's she's blindly accepting what's been given to her, and he's saying, "Well, why do we believe what we're believing here?" Faith and fact, yeah. Faith and fact yeah. would be a better absolutely. Better. And so the story goes, you know, ends with the storyteller, and um, yeah, it says, "Yeah, we've reached the end of the telling, but not the end of the tale." So, um, <laughs> a nice way to sort of yeah to be continued. Yeah. The worst three words. Three words. It's, it's all coming <laughs> together. So yeah. why couldn't Algra see the Erskex darkness? Thus, like she couldn't see their shadow within them. Is that because Ronip kind of has this X-ray vision, and even and though the the, the Erskex, in a sense, are kind of transparent. I think that it does go back to the um, origin of Ronip, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, like somehow he has this power, but later. It's, is it possible that maybe she would have had that power if she had her other eye? Like maybe she lost part of her visions and her abilities when she lost that eye? I mean, that's my thought. I wondered I wondered if the Earth kicks weren't intentional about it. But that's maybe just, they you know, burnt. Oh, oh, no, that I'm totally that on you with that. A, they that intentionally burnt her eyes so she couldn't see their shadow. Right, that, that's that was uh, my. Yeah, I mean it's metaphorical yeah, because like you that. can't see, you know, the imagery. But I thought maybe there was something de- like if they're coming to this planet, they already know there's a mother Thra, you know, like. Yeah. So I don't know. That's true. Just that's what I wondered. Yeah, that I I really like that interpretation. And they that, that they, they wouldn't know if they that. would be welcome. So I could see yeah. that. Yeah, because I mean she was literally blinded by their light, so I guess maybe she can't see their shadow because of that. Exactly. Yeah, that that's nice. I like that. And then it would seem like it would seem like they're being kind by healing her, but in fact they were blinding her. Right. Well, I love that part. They're like, "Oh, that we could not mend. Uh, we got everything else, but uh, the eye, you see, was just yeah. we couldn't fix that part, unfortunately." But onward we go. I, I really yeah. like all this because uh, I was so hesitant at first. Like I haven't read any of the new literature on the dark crystal <laughs> and here i'm yeah, you know i'm i'm almost 40 so i don't know what everyone ages here but 
I well, I just I'm really like you, though, like how the film went. for me like I'm a purist for the film right like to me that was the life changing experience I had with the movie and so when these books came out I was like ah, I don't I'm skeptical of any sequel of anything that ever happens to any good movie and so when I read these though man I was really impressed with how they captured oh. the spirit of of Henson it was just a beautiful yeah. thing yeah I love what they've done with it I really do it's very interesting. It puts a whole new spin on watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I you really feel like a deeper all- connection, yeah. And but then it also makes you wonder why is Ronit not in the film? I, I mean, know. I know he's a later concept, but there's there's got there I mean, obviously they're gonna fill in that gap somewhere at some point. Yeah. I would think. Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah, yeah. And um, I think, like, with, with this first volume, what I really liked about it was it was essentially, like, almost like a, in a way, like a Bible, you know, you got to know almost, you know, almost everything about Thry, you know, from the beginnings and up to the um, bit after the first conjunction and that. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's just very insightful and uh, very interesting to, to get to know more of the world because um, in, in, in film you don't, really get to you know you, you get to say things and stuff but and the story is pretty you know straightforward about jen needing to heal the crystal but um yeah i mean i, I think that's and that's the other thing where with the comics or with graphic novels um you get a really good um you know a visual uh representation of things um which is one thing i'm sort of really curious um i guess you know because the dark crystal is such a visual film or you know the world of it's such a visual telling i guess what it must be like yeah you know trying to write um you know the stories and trying to have visual representations of things and like that and um and that's the thing i'm actually looking forward to um with joe's um uh shadows of the dark crystal is that um some of you know that it's going to have illustrations in the book so which is going to be pretty neat very much looking forward to it yeah well we'll start uh so so bland how how can people uh find you oh um well i guess the my twitter my personal twitter is Blandarella, because I'm a Barbarella fan, but it's B L A N D A R E L L A, and then on Facebook, Bland Garrett, um, and then you know, and, and like I wanted to say, it was really nice to you know finally talk with all of you because I know I think I pretty much know all of you from the Facebook um, Dream Fasting page and the you know the Dark Crystal page, so it was nice to finally meet you all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Nice meeting you guys. But uh, I like I know I still don't have control of habitabad.com. Um, hopefully, I can regain the domain when it becomes available, if it becomes available. So, and I'm still locked out of the Twitter for that. But and what about yourself, uh, uh, Douglas? Um, where where can people find you? Well, I do. Uh, I'm on Facebook or anything else, but you can find me on my um, Facebook page at facebook.com/fishrocksmusic. Uh, I do some music. I sing a bit and write, so that's where you can find me. No, unfortunately, no professional Dark Crystal pages, but uh, if you look look me up under Douglas Benjamin Fisher on Facebook, you will see it prevalent. So there you go. And uh, and what about yourself? I'm Andrea. How can people find you? Um, well, I'm on uh, Facebook under Andrea Judy, and I'm on pretty much every social network um, under the name Judy Black Cloud. So. Uh, People can find me pretty easily through that. And uh, and, and yourself, um, Ethan, uh, where can people uh, yeah find you? Oh, just uh, just on the Dreamfest uh, Facebook group. You know, just go on there, scroll through it, and I'll probably have thrown some 
nonsense on there sometime. <laughs> and eventually, yeah, shadowhouse5.com. Yeah, yeah. So, um, is there a release date for when you're planning to, to launch um, Shadowhouse 5, their website, or...? I'm, I'm shooting for March, uh, early March. Uh, I'm trying to give myself a lot of time because I want to be awesome. I wanted to be, I wanted to blow away everybody. So I'm, I'm taking my time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fair enough. And, um, so how, how can people find you out, Nancy? I'm on Facebook under writer, Nancy Gray. Also, I have a uh, blog at, uh, Nancy Gray slash blogspot.com. .blogspot.com, sorry. But yeah, just, again, just want to say, yeah, thanks to everyone for participating in this uh, roundtable discussion. And, um, Absolutely, yeah, the, man. This, I sure appreciate it. This yeah. has been amazing for me. Yes. Yeah, this, the, the, this the start time was good. Thank you. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal chamber! Well, that's all the time I have for this month's Trial by Stone. Special thanks to Bland, Joe, Ethan, Andrea and Nancy and Doug for being this month's guests. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at trialbystonepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash trialbystonepodcast or on Twitter at trialbystonepod. If you enjoyed this month's show and you think that others would like it too, then please spread the word about the podcast or write a review on iTunes. I hope you all enjoyed the show and come back next year for more Trial by Stone.